Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Fitbit Pod. My name is Ben Lomas, and with me always, Dilruk Singer. Hello, Benjamin. You uh, uh, sound immaculate. You sound professional because you are in a studio for the first time pretty much since the pandemic, right? Yeah, but the thing about it is I'm in a television studio, not a podcast studio. I'm in, I'm in something that's at least three times the size of my house. <laughs> oh, okay. Right. And do they, what are you allowed to say? What do they normally record on, in this studio? Yeah. I like everything from like, Ninja warrior. Uh, yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones. You are well. speaking from the Iron Throne. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Look, the house, hey. the house of Fatgan. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. We got a, we got a guest. Uh, we got a guest that uh, I am lucky enough to call a friend because he is a genuine delight to be around and work with. And I had the privilege of working with him for two weeks straight in regional WA through beautiful, you know, picturesque places like Albany and Margaret River to fucking Kalgoorlie and Karatha and just one of the just just unanimously considered in the uh, comedy circuit as one of the best blokes around. People would have seen him on uh, the block with his wife. Oh, Deb, uh, please welcome the very funny Andy Saunders. Yes. G'day, all you mob out there. And hey, how are you, Dilrook and Ben? Uh, you guys are legends. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very, very um, grateful. Please, the pleasure is all ours. First of all, we need to say that you are in a car. You... <laughs> I am in a car. Yep. 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 And uh, do we need to give any context to why you're in a car? Uh, uh, no, it's just um, I like doing a lot of things in in the car. It gives yeah. me um, it gives me peace and quiet away yeah. from like I'm I have four dream killers, so it's hard to um, or kids um, to the layman, um, and it's hard to get it's hard dream to get um, it's really hard to get peace and quiet. I remember um, just on that. Um, guys, I remember on one Father's Day, um, Debbie, my beautiful wife of 22 years and partner of 32 years, um, said to me, what do you want for Father's Day, honey? And I said, I want two things. I want uh, four to six foot perfection on Saltwater Point because I'm a surfer and I love Saltwater Point. It's, yes. it's my homeland right-hand break. It's, I love it. Um, and I want just an hour of peace and quiet in yeah. the, in our home. And she goes, all right, well, we'll organise the four to six foot on Saltwater Point, but I can't promise the other. So she said, so she's saying it's easier to get Mother Nature, yeah, yeah, the most unpredictable thing on the planet, to give me four to six foot perfection on Saltwater Point. Do you know, um, and there's another thing I, we were asked, I heard you mention, Dill, that we were on the block. I don't remember it, but, um, uh, <laughs> um, but, but, uh, I have so many questions. People, people were, people were saying that, um, who were asking, oh, you know, uh, what's different to, um, being at home and on the block? I, um, and the block is like saturated with large machinery and yeah. industrial noise. I said it's quieter here. Yeah. That means it's easier for me to sleep. 
it's just well ben ben given your love of uh talking parenting as well as uh foundations and building and construction i think i might just take a back seat on this pod and just let you geek out well i i will i will geek out but firstly um just four kids. It was. It was that a. Was that a choice? <laughs> like, did you? Did um, you? Did you? Because I four. For them, four is for it, them. It was a choice for them. <laughs> they said, "Man, um, they would have been souls just drifting around the ether and um, or whatever you call it." And yeah. uh, they just looked at me and Debbie and joining our lives and went, "No, nah, fuck these two. I'm going to be their kids." <laughs> And so, because I, but just, I just, always... just for context, though, I think people need to realize what yeah. what they don't know about Andy's. Okay, so um, you had two kids already, yeah. and uh, I think they were what uh, three and and one or something like that. And you thought, you know what, we need more uh, here, and you yeah. uh, foster, you adopted two yeah. kids. We yeah, we fostered um, two kids, and they're absolutely stunning and beautiful kids, and. Uh, you know, they made our family um, better. And look, I joke a lot mm. about being a father, but that's the right you get when you become a parent. Yeah. You should be able to joke about your kids a lot um, because there is a lot of comedy um, when you become more than just a couple. It's ridiculous. Um, and it's exponential as they get older. Um, the material just comes and comes and comes. <laughs> So, it's amazing. It's so good to uh, hear that, Andy, because mine are only, uh, uh, you know, six and eight, and uh, and I just like every year it's like, well, something new's happening or something exciting's happening. But we haven't. I so I have a couple of friends who who foster, and I and I and and something my partner is actually really interested in as well because she works uh, in areas where a lot of the kids she works with are foster kids as well. Could just yep. can you speak to it because we haven't haven't had anyone on the podcast. Did you start fostering before you had kids or afterwards or is it no. something you've always been into? I've been in that sector of community service yep. and um, I, I'd always seen, like a, I, I was witness to a lot of kids moving from place to place and I, I just thought that was so disruptive and intrusive to their life and, their, and just consistency. Um, and when I left that um, sector, uh, I I moved into education, but I knew that I always wanted to be a foster parent or uh, or at least assist in that space. Yeah. Um, because I just wanted to give kids a little bit more stability. Because if they had the stability, they're able to sort of sit, think, reflect, and also um, get support to grow and flourish. Um, and and um, get to know themselves and um, and their their true identities where they come from because if you don't know where you come from you don't know where you really want to know where where you where you really want to go so um, we supported our kids to um, you know to maintain relationships with their actual mum and dad and you know Deb and I we you know we. We have a relationship with them too, and we we respect that. It's a really important part of fostering. Um, and um, a true foster care, if you want to take a kid on, and I don't want to step on any toes here, but um, it should be you should really when you commit, you need yeah. to commit. Yeah. It's like it's like 
being on like a 10 foot wave dude you're paddling you can't stop you have to commit and just go right through right to the end dude um, anyway have that, that did, the yeah. commitment is is i mean obviously like it's 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 a challenge as it is with like say two kids or whatever but then to commit with uh foster care as well on top of all of that how was the um what was the discussion or or thinking like because you mentioned stability and i think one of the best things you've, uh, that we've already got a gem which is that you know it's important to know where you come from so to know where you want to go and i think that's so true um but in terms of stability and things like that how did you and deb balance stability with being a a, a touring comic and, and a comedian who's you know um traveling it's uh yeah look Obviously, that's really hard, but um, I think it makes you better as a parent because you always want to get back to them and just um, feed them with knowledge and not just give them everything, but teach them everything and show them exa an example of, you know, what they could be because a kid can't be what they can't see. So um, we just wanted to we just wanted to do that um, for all of our kids, so the four kids. And I think it's made our um, other two kids um, better and want to be better adults because you, you parents are, like my opinion. In my opinion, a parent shouldn't be growing good kids; they should be growing good adults. You know, so I mean, because they're not um, as soon as they leave your house, they're not your kids anymore. They're just an adult out there in the atmosphere, just um, finding their way. Yes, of course, you're going to give them continual support. And this is what I say about to people who want to have kids and who are scared of having kids. Um, I shouldn't scare you out of having kids because no matter how tired you get, no matter how much work it is, no matter how frustrated you get, you only have to look after them until you're dead. <laughs> That's the only commitment you have to make. <laughs> just love it. I knew that. I had a feeling the misdirection was coming, but wow, what a leader! <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all you have to. But um, yeah. Eddie, I, I, I am. Uh, I, I find this amazing because it's also like you know, it, it's teaching. You know, you're modelling for your, for for your two kids with bringing two other kids into the family. Like I find that. I find that so inspiring because there's a lot of people who go, that's too hard or I don't want to subject to that my kids or, you know, you know, fearing I don't know how this is going to work out. But to be able to be on a team yeah. uh, and then it, and you're speaking to it, just the whole idea of modelling, so modelling to those kids. Is, did you have someone that modelled that to you? Absolutely. Like I, I, um, like I, I never met my real dad um, and I don't want to make this Dr. Phil um, version of a podcast or an it's episode free. or whatever. This, 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 this uh, session is whatever you want it to be, my friend. Um, but yeah. but uh, just because I didn't have um, a biological dad doesn't mean I didn't have positive role models in my life or I could... Um, I always say this to kids. I give a few speeches here and there to young kids. and I say, find your hero. Find your positive role model. You have one. Um, don't think you're alone. You have a team. You have you have a tribe. Find them. Uh, um, and if the tribe you're in does not inspire you or give you inspiration, your circle can become a cage. Don't let the cage happen. Step out of it and look elsewhere. Find your hero because they are out there. And mine, fortunately, mine were within family. I had 
seven uncles um, and I had a uh, grandfather and I'm only talking male role models here um, yeah. just for now because my female role models were unbelievably strong in my grandmother and my mother who I've lost and um, but the the lessons and, and um, what they instilled in me uh, remain and they're passed down to my kids as well but um, I had in in a father figure and to teach me how to be a good man or a better man um, I had a I had a lot of people around me Amazing. Yep. Amazing, because it's it's I, I yeah I'm just always you know it's, it's one thing to have a, you know a big family I guess probably leads me into my next question but it's like if you have a big family you know you got your partner you got four kids do you also live in a five bedroom house or I'm looking at a seven seater behind you <laughs> yeah this is a nine seater but nine I use, seater. like this is this is for um this is uh, this is for surfing I got this car Debbie's got a nice little sporty um. Uh, Honda Civic or whatever it is, and this is a Honda Odyssey. And my twelve-year-old says, "Oh, that's you, you need to put some rings on it, Dad. Get some like um, low-profile tires. Put a wrap on it." I said, it's, "It's a fucking Odyssey, man. Like it's full of wax and sand and surfboards most of the time. I don't need to look cool when I'm going to the beach, okay? Like." And uh, but he's a real car guy, like my twelve-year-old boy. He's a car guy. He's a wonderful kid, but um, yeah, he's always like that. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta lift this, man. Lift our game when it comes to. How old are the kids? Just so for context, where are you at at the stage? Of oldest, oldest is twenty-five, then twenty-four, then um, uh, seventeen, and then twelve. So. Now, how old are you, Andy? I'm 51. God, you look good for yeah. 51. <laughs> I was waiting. Moly. I was waiting for this to come up, but yeah. I'm oh glad. my God! Yeah. So I do look. The... I do look after myself, Ben. I try and and look. I'm an aging Aboriginal male, and there's no mystery um, yeah. around the health issues that uh, we can face as um, as Aboriginal males. So I try and put into perspective good health, looking after yourself. Yes, I have a couple of whiskeys every now and again and stuff like that and maybe I have a few too many, but um all in all I do I do look after myself. Um I do a lot of exercise and I surf a lot and I well, ne- just, I never stop. Well on yeah. before we divulge into all of that, um can I just ask when you said there's no mystery as to the health issues that an Aboriginal man can face um like what what are those things because I'm, I'm very white and well it's um it's well look look at me like um i'm i'm the same i'm i'm what they call concrete curry i um you know i grew up i grew up rough but once i started sleeping on a pillow top mattress i never looked back okay so um <laughs> one reference after it, the next that i've never heard of before <laughs> Yeah, so um, the thing is, is that um, it, we face heart conditions, high blood pressure, diabetes. There's a lot of different things. You know, my my mum had kidney failure and uh, she was on dialysis. And yeah. um, in the end, she died of a, a, um, a heart attack um, in her in a um, home. And that was really, that was a huge shock to us because she was, 
she was going well. She was 68. And, um, wow. and yes, she had health issues. But, um, you know, looking from the outside in and um, being with her, you'd never think that she would die. Uh, from that, and we lost her last August, so it's yeah, it's wow. fairly, it's it's still fairly uh, fresh, but um, and it's hard because she was a great parent, so and yeah. not just a great parent, just a all in all awesome human being. So mm-hmm. it's just hard to it's hard to lose a parent no matter what. So um, uh, and I lost an uncle. Um, a few years ago, and he was 49. I lost lost him about 18 years ago. He was 49. He died of a heart attack on the beach, and um, he was he was such a cool guy. But um, you know, it, it was heart conditions. My grandfather had heart conditions, and um, and my brother actually um uh, died one week before Christmas last year. So I lost my brother and my mother last year. Jesus, it was pretty tough. Year. That's a lot of grief. And, a lot of grief and um and was my brother, brother was uh, did your brother was it a health a heart condition as well or heart condition he he oh. he actually underwent a heart transplant and um he had a blood disorder um and while he had the heart transplant he had a stroke so he was in what's called a locked in state and um mate it was really sad so that five months um, before he went in, before he went in for his heart transplant, we had to, we had to teams meet him and tell him his mum passed away, and he had tubes out his nose. It was the most heartbreaking thing. I don't want to bring oh. this down, but no, no. Um, but no. Um, he went, he went into the heart transplant. We were all stoked because he was going to be better. Yeah, everything was going to be so great, and he was undergoing all of this chemo for his blood and all of that. And he was like, he was unbelievably talented. He was a language teacher. He was a cultural. He he preserved culture in our, in our um, nation, which is Burrapai Nation. And he taught it to kids of all backgrounds. Kids absolutely adored him. Um, elders, community, all. All community loved him. He was just um, he was just a bright, shining light for kids to actually sort of find out um, that they mattered and yeah. were um, and were worthy to be here. He was really he was that type of um, beacon to kids. When when the families when the families dealt like so like one blow after another like that. What what was that like for you? And how did you process that grief or what did you find you know like how did you pull yourself through that i think um a good question Del. i think if you have a strong family and a strong connection and network um and also know that you the people that you let go they don't want you to kick stones all day every day because you have to be strong for everyone else yeah. of course you have to be strong. Of course, you have to let go and cry and grieve. And I've done enough of that. I've done a lot of it. And yes, I'll I'll lose it every now and again because I'll see something or do something um, that um, that uh, will upset me or help me reflect, which is also a good thing. It's a positive thing. But the the um, the 
there's another layer on this. Um, after Jay had got his heart transplant, his um, his partner had his first baby. So, so he, never got he, to... he didn't even get to um, be a father. And the whole lead up, his whole life, all the way up to getting the heart transplant was about, can't wait to teach my daughter everything I know about the Biripai language, the Gatang language, Biripai people, her culture, so she knows who she is, where she comes from, so she knows where she really wants to go in life and be confident about all of that. Um, so when she smiles sometimes or when she has a, a, a certain look, I see Jay in her, mm. which is bittersweet, but it's also really, really awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we look after her a little bit. She comes to our house once a week and um, she's Jay all over and she's really musical and he's a bit of a genius. He, um, I remember um, uh, in year 12, he was doing his HSC and I'd already miserably failed it because <laughs> I used year 12 as a social sort of yeah. mechanism um, because I'd already been overseas and I did year 12 in America. Um, which was which was fun for a seventeen year old boy, but um, especially when we were flavour of the month. Um, but it was it was a it was a lot of fun. But but I came back and Jay was doing his and he was doing four unit chemistry and maths and physics and all of these. And I said you need to study instead of just play guitar and go surfing and with your mates. And he goes why? It's common sense. And I said, that's not common sense. That's stuff you need to know. You've got to study and study all your algorithms and your bloody logarithms and whatever he was doing. He came in the top 5% of the state. Amazing. And he also, and then he went on and it was, he did a, um, a degree in engineering and he'd done that a year before you had to get it done. Yeah. So, so all, the, the, the stuff that's, the health issues that your family is going through, it's yep. without a doubt, obviously informs your, you know, your diligence with exercise and nutrition and things like that, allowing the occasional yep. watch and things like that. But how, again, like, well, so what does that then look like? Let's get a bit technical around it. What is your like ideal? Like, it sounds like you love surfing. Surfing's like a big part yep. of your, and does that t cover a mental wellness as well, the surfing? Oh my God, uh, <sighs> boys! If you ever tried surfing and you could just sit out there, um, it's exactly what Bodhi Zypher says on um, on Point Break. So you <laughs> right. get in water and you just feel the earth, and like, yeah, it's it's amazing. It's it's a whole psyche. It's a way it's, of uh, life, isn't it? Is it just a way of like approaching yeah. life surfing? Like, like anyone well, who I know it, who does it. Is, who's done it now? It just never stops. No, no, you you never stop. Um, I'll never stop until I can't walk, and then I'll bodyboard. It's just something that I'll always do. All of my kids do it. We got thirteen surfboards in the shed that are stacked up. Um, That's great. Uh, we, I love all, the idea of family surfing. It's amazing. Yeah, they're all little rippers too. They love surfing, but um, does Deb surf? Uh, I think. Pardon? Does Deb surf as well? or Deb used to surf, but she doesn't yeah. surf anymore. I'd love to get her out there again. Um, it's her downtime when I go surfing. 
yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. She goes, you, you guys should go surfing. Um, and I know what she means. Um, I think she, what she means is, can you guys piss off out of the house? <laughs> just, just for an hour. So um, it, it is a, it's a good way to um, see the family get together as well. But I know that whatever's going on in my head, I forget about it for the, uh, for the amount of time that I'm surfing. If I oh, surf for I... an hour and a half, there's nothing in my head except the next wave I want to paddle yeah. to. I, I've never surfed. Like, I, I can't even boogie board, though. Uh, I struggle, rather. I have not had proper training. But I've used surfing as an analogy a lot in terms of when describing stand-up comedy. And yep. is that something that resonates with you? The idea, like, for example, maybe it was you and I talking a couple of weeks ago, but about how, you know, you can't control the audience. Whatever the audience is, you just need to learn how to ride whatever is given you then and there without getting That's upset all. that they're this way or they're that way. Because the same way with surfing, you can't get upset if the waves are too strong or too low, whatever it is, you're just going to make it work for yourself. Does that yes. resonate with you? That totally resonates. That's a really good analogy, man. You, do you know what? I've always thought you were pretty smart. That's, um, <laughs> that's an amazing analogy uh, because you get, no, you can't control the audience. Sometimes you have to read them and uh, know how to ride them. You can nudge them. You, you can, can nudge them. them. Sometimes they're all wet. Like, a, <laughs> well, they're not, actually. No. No, no, no. I'm going in the wrong direction. I mean, it's funny. Like I, I've spent the last the last three months controlling audiences, or what I think I'm controlling them, but I'm not. I'm just nudging them in the right direction and hoping for the best. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but so, and then in in for surfing wise, that obviously is a is a workout, isn't it? Like you're swimming a lot. You're you know you're working on. Oh my balance. god! So you can um, if you read. Um, like I like looking up stats. I I um I have an elliptical at home, and I want to know how many cows I'll burn in twenty five minutes of um uh, a high um you know putting it in a high level and stuff yeah. like that. You know I try and burn five hundred calories. Surfing will burn calories like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Just paddling all the time. You're in a wetsuit, so you. Um, people don't realise you're sweating as well, but mm. um, the cardio um, is is crazy in surfing mm. because you never stop moving. There's some muscle movement in yeah. every set, like even sitting on a board, your core cool. is working because you're trying to um, you're trying to balance. But the paddling, kicking, um, and getting uh, up, and, just getting, getting up. up, just getting up. That's like, that's a burpee. You know how yeah. people love burpees? Well, we do burpees nonstop in surfing. Yeah. And, and I always, I always felt like squash is like, oh uh, no, um, surfing, I always compared it to like my, when I play squashes, when you're surfing, you also don't realize what a workout you're doing. You're distracted by the wave. You're distracted by the ocean. Like you, yeah. you're just continually chasing that wave that before you know it, 90 minutes go past and you have just done the most yeah. insane workout. It's all mind, body, spirit with surfing. And yes, it, it, if you if you hate burpees, do surfing because these are the best burpees you'll ever <laughs> Oh, what's the longest you've gone without surfing, and what were you like at the end of that? Were you did you notice how sort of like grumpier or, or less like? Yes, 
Yeah, what's the longest yep. reckon you've gone without? Um, uh, Edinburgh. Yeah. Going to the Edinburgh yeah. Festival. That uh, was five weeks. And, uh, There's no the waves in Edinburgh, in Scotland? Maybe north. No, there, there are wave calls in uh, the UK. Um, I think it's called um, Snowdonia in Wales. Right. And it's a really, um, it's a really cool left and right hand break that's man made. And you're probably in the next few years, you're going to see a lot of man made waves, and they're going to be quite um, a high level. They're going to be great. And look, urban is that, surfing is that you mean climate change, right? Well, there's a there's a lot of reasons why um, there'll be a lot of man made waves around, and um, it, it's going to be. It'll be huge money makers. It'll be tourist attractions. There'll be real estate that will be surrounding these uh, huge wave pools and um, and ocean parks or in inland ocean parks. There won't be any sharks, any threats yeah. of um, uh, things like that. I think a lot of um, a lot of tourists are starting to become. Um, hypersensitive around that area. I mean, sharks have always been there. You know, I've got an uncle who was attacked by a shark. He got his leg bit um, because, and uh, it was quite a significant bite. Um, didn't take his leg, but it, um, it stopped him walking for a, a good three months. So, um, have you seen it, it happens. I've seen a lot of sharks. Yeah, a lot of sharks in the water. Um, the worst are loan sharks. I hate loan sharks. Um, they're the ones you cannot get away from. Yeah, because yeah, because um, they, 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 yeah, because if it's, they, if they it's... go straight for the knees, they go straight <laughs> for the knees. Hey, speaking of so what? Full on. I'd like. I've, I've, you know what I was hoping that you were going to say. Uh, I've seen. I've been surfing for thirty years. I've only ever seen one, and it's just no heaps of sharks. Heaps. <laughs> Well, well, that leads me to what I was going to ask next, which is injuries and and setbacks with with surfing, like yeah. major injuries. And what what knees? are your how are your knees? Knees are um, still holding up, but I think yeah. they're starting to feel them, feel the um the the effects of sport and surfing. But I think that's just normal for a man my age. Um, my ankles, on the other hand, I used to play basketball and I sort of kind of ruined them um, yeah, back in the day. I, I can mine still, basketball. I can, I can still do a good jump shot, though, Ben. Um, but, but, and I love basketball. I still play a bit with the uh, with the kids. So, I mean, it, all in all, I, I'm still, you know, I'm still doing all right. I, I can yeah. play pretty much any sport, um, including parkour. I just refuse to do parkour. Yeah, understandably. Yeah. I mean, like, who, is, who is making you do parkour? You're saying it like as if someone's like... Like, is your yeah, kid, yeah. one of your kids are do it? Look, Aboriginals have been doing parkour for years, jumping off rocks and trees and stuff like that. But how did we get from leapfrog to parkour? I mean, leapfrog oh. was good enough. And the community, I worked on Ninja Warrior for a while, and it was a, it's, the, the, you, 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 there's parkour gangs. And when you see them together, it's really just a whole bunch of really fit nerds. That's what it is. <laughs> like, you know, I, um, I love how you mentioned Ninja Warrior because. I mean, if you look at it, like, I think it's a little bit insulting to ninjas to call it Ninja Warrior. Like, here's these guys kicking bamboo fucking trees for 25 years yeah. when all they had to do was be like a hyperactive tradie under 30. <laughs> and they're called Ninja Warriors. 
<laughs> Mate, I, I went on a show called MasterChef just because I had a Thermomix. So, you know, really, <laughs> what is reality after all? But, um, hey, sorry, I, I, I am fascinated, though, with, with um, that Edinburgh trip when you didn't have access to surfing. What was, because it seems like being physically active, let's just call it that, or exercise, and be mindful of your, your body, it seems part of your DNA and part of your, you know, being now. It's not like a thing that you do in a, in a stint. So what happens yep. to you in a moment like that? Do you then go, okay, I can't surf, so I need to channel this somewhere. Yeah. Or the other? What, and what did you do in Edinburgh? I always, this is what I always say, if you eat, you have to move, okay? You can't just yeah. eat and expect to be fit and not move. So you have to move. It doesn't have to be a lot, 20 minutes. Um, but I would, the, the thing I do is like um, a yoga session. It takes about 20 minutes. And then I'll do around 200 push-ups. Um, 200. If I can't what? Surf. 200 push-ups? Yeah. So 65, 65, then 70. So 200, so three sets. How many can and you then, do? Um, I'll be lucky to do eight. Uh, I think I'm up to five at the moment. But, but but then you do some sit-ups and leg lifts and then some planks and you're done. And, that's and all that, you have to do. No, that's it. Okay. Thanks, man. Uh, no, but, but how, how, how is that a daily thing when you're in Edinburgh? That's a daily thing. And it was oh. really, really – it was fun because I was getting um, Kev Crepinuri to do it too. And uh, it was quite – he was quite funny. And he said, oh, I'm going to – I'm going to keep doing this, Saunders. Oh, thank you. And he hasn't done it since. That yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny that the idea of not being able to surf and trying to find another outlet. I only found out recently a very old friend of mine who grew up along the Great Ocean Road, surfed all the time, uh, then got his PhD, was working in an office, uh, and then, you know, a bit of a scientist. And then he was just missing surfing. And then um uh when one of those wave uh, pools worked up he just went and worked there on sunday just to teach people how to surf because he just missed it Absolutely. so much and he said he said it literally he goes it's some of the, the money's not great but he goes it's not about the money it's just the idea no. that i can teach a kid to get up on a board and oh, then i'm yeah. out there he said it's, it means yeah. everything you know um they I, look my grandfather always said get like this is this is the only house you really own on top of your shoulders, it's the only house you'll ever own. Like, yes, you might pay a house off and blah, 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 and all of that, but this is your this is You your can't house. sell that on the block, or can you? <laughs> you may be able to, but but I I know what he was trying to say. You you put whatever you want in it. Um, you furnish it with what you want. No one else has, has a right to furnish it with their negativity. So put all the good stuff in it and um, experience things that are going to go in it, and that's what that scientist was doing. He was he was putting he was good, putting good positive furniture in the only house he's ever going to own. And, he's, and it, it it really is the best thing you can ever do. You can win the lotto. You can do all of these other things, but take care of this house. This house is is first and foremost and that's why that's why i surf because it it really um it helps um me keep my house um stable Mm. and and solid so and put yourself in the best position to give to your family i guess as well because if you're sorted then you can give the support to deb and the kids as well i guess yeah 
Do you yep. start the day with surfing or? I try to, but Deb, this is what Kev, i got to bring Kev up again. Kev reckons I have no off switch. When my eyes close, that's when the switch goes off. He reckons, oh, Debbie says this, I wake up in a running start motion. Like most yeah. people go, most people go, yeah, that was good sleep. I go like this and I yeah. walk out straight away. I'm like a robot. If do I'm you up, have, do, I'm do, up. You're the type of person who doesn't have snooze on their alarm, is it? You just go, alarm, I'm up. Nah, nah, I'm up. I'm done. That's it. Love this. You've had enough, man. You've had enough. Yeah. What about, here's the thing, strength. Let's just finish up on strength because uh, is it just the push-ups and stuff like that? Because in our two-week-long touring, eventually uh, the, the, the male fucking toxicity deteriorated and we started wrestling and arm wrestling yeah. and all kinds of things just eventually <laughs> eventually you, you just you're bored to, right well, remember and, joe white joe yeah. white was always all over me doing jujitsu and stuff it, it was like i would piggyback him most places we went because he was yeah. trying to get me down so <laughs> yeah like, exactly That's you're not going to get off me just stay up there joe That's fine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to a cafe and then on the final final night, we started doing arm wrestling. And there's a hilarious, uh, I'll get Joe's permission and I'll try and post it. But there's a great video of you and Joe wrestle, arm wrestling. And Joe's sweating, putting everything, everything in, trying to like take Andy down. And Andy's just straight face having a conversation with the rest of us. Like, hey, how's your tour been? Has it been good? I think it's really great. Then he looks at Joe goes, Man, I reckon you should do more corporates. Like, <laughs> just <laughs> really, completely unfazed. Uh, uh, when you arm wrestle, Andy, do you do that thing where, uh, which someone pointed out to me, which is a bit of a, a, a trick, is someone you just hold your arm there and let them do all the work, and then they just push, 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 push until they're absolutely exhausted, and then you push. No, I did. I've oh. never not been aware of that. I'm going to yeah. use it. Though. Yeah, because you hold there, and then you can hold, you can hold it, and you can hold it, and it doesn't take. And then once you start pushing, that's when you release. But by then they're tired. Someone pointed that out to me. Was... If you put your hand under the table and tickle them, they lose strength. <laughs> um, it was my only. It was my only claim that whole trip in terms of feeling a little bit strong because I was able to defeat Joe, and I surprised you, didn't I, Andy? Abompa, at the start, you did. You, you have a very strong forearm, and that's probably um, comes yeah. from your teenage years until you're yeah. about well, 20. Yeah, well, not teenage years. It was 200 days in the, during the pandemic in a one-bedroom apartment by myself. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And all I can uh, think about is Annie, Annie couldn't do that. You'd have to go to the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was you in the car. Jacking off with the sharks. <laughs> like on, um, what's it called? Hall Park. Oh, that's a funny movie. Yeah. Any, any, anyway, um, yeah, I, I grew up in a, um, I grew up in a fishing and estuary fishing family, and it was fairly common for all us boys to help the uncles lift, um, you know, fifty kilo boxes of fish and Jesus. and prawns out of the, um, out of the, um, the, the net. So you'd <laughs> always be up to do physical labour and stuff like that. So I mean, you sort of. If you grow up in a, a family where, you know, you eat um, pretty much a, a result of eating is what you catch, mm. um, uh, you're, you're always doing some sort of physical labor. So it sort of teaches you that you can't just sort of sit still and not help 
you have to help if you want to eat. So, I mean, I think um, I think I'd always been physical. I, I won't say I've been strong, but I was always wiry as a kid. I was a skinny little kid, man. Like I had the skinniest legs. I couldn't fill a pair of undies, no matter how small they were. You know, um, from a distance in a pair of shorts, I looked like a bar stool. It's not very sexy <laughs> even now. Look, you you know you know. Put it this way: you know you you got skinny legs when you're jealous of ibises. That's how skinny <laughs> my legs are. <laughs> oh, mate, we need to wrap up. Uh, I know it's really annoying. I don't want to. Um, I know. I know. We have to. Too, too um, much joy with you, man. And we'll need to try and do this again at some. We we'll have to do this again. This is like part one. Shit. Let's call this part Hell one. Hell yeah! This is part one. one. Uh, because we still have to talk about the love you skincare routine. Because I'm assuming there's more to than just black don't crack. Cleanse tone, cleanse tone, moisturize, repeat, repeat, repeat. No, black don't crack. But really, okay, that's even touch my, the block. <laughs> my grandmother and my mother had the most immaculate skin. Immaculate yeah. skin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think, I think it's genes. Yeah, right. Oh, I've, mate, got, Andy, I've got wrinkles, though. I've got wrinkles. Th- that is the ones on your balls. That 51. doesn't count. If you think um, there's wrinkles, it's 51. <laughs> hey, Andy Saunders, where can our listeners find you? CQ Art, CQ Comedy. Is it uh, Instagram to begin with? Instagram, Andy Saunders Comedy, Andy Saunders Comedian on Facebook. I don't have Twitter because I don't want to end up that guy who's dancing for gluten intolerance. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but does that even mean? You know, you know those dancers. I'm doing this for gluten intolerance, all of that. I don't know what. Um, I don't know what. Um, not Twitter. Um, TikTok. Buddy, TikTok. That's it. Right. There's a that lot makes of no sense. Meg, you would crush it. You crush it on TikTok. You are. Uh, you're a walking goofball who can dance and beatbox. Man. Like fucking hell, man. You would be 51 TikTok. I mean, if anyone can do it, it's you, Andy. Oh, have you seen him dance? Have you seen Andy dance, Ben? It's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, I'm not going down TikTok, but I reckon, I reckon, um, I reckon Ben looks like a dancer. He's probably got rhythm. Yeah, I got some rhythm, but again, yeah. in my drinking days, I had rhythm. I don't know if I can do it sober. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. It's um, the truth comes out when you're sober. I reckon. Yeah. In dance. And, the, and like in verbal, the truth comes out when you when you're inebriated. So good, so good. All right, hey. I did you to uh, so Andy Saunders, comedy and comedian on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Daruk J for me on Instagram and yes. uh, Ben Lomas comic on uh, Instagram and Fitbit Pod for all our other things. Thank you for the continued Patreon support. Uh, your listenership and your all your messages by the way thank you for the messages uh, that I haven't gotten around to reply to yet oh, yeah. I just want to say thank you for all the um, uh, shout, um, the reaching out after last week's episode where we both talked about feeling a bit uh, crap about our you know situation right now in terms of putting on weight and things like that so it's really nice one of yeah. the best things about this podcast is the listenership and knowing that we're not alone in this you know, we use the word journey a lot, but it's true in this case. It's a journey. So thank yep, you for totally. that. Totally. And, uh, and and look, there, there is quite a few people who have messaged. We haven't got back to you, but we thank you. It's not like we haven't read them. We just uh, we haven't had time to get back to them. And that includes our Patreon listeners as well. So thank you uh, very, very much. Andy Saunders, thank you so much, man. I hope I get to see you again sooner than later. Uh, I miss you already. Thank you. Only been a week. Oh. I miss you, guys. Love you.
Love you all. Bye-bye. Like this.